0: Welcome to the December 2021 edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. It is our last show of 2021, and we wanted to take an in-depth look at one of the most significant issues from this past year, immigration. We have two guests tonight, first from the LGBTQ Asylum Project in San Francisco, Okan Shengun. He's here to talk about the near 500 LGBTQ asylum seekers his organization has helped. And in the second half of our hour, our own Gary Carnivelli is here to talk about local efforts and his work with the Queer Asylum Accompaniment Team. So stay with us. It's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, December 26th,
1: 2021. I love to change the world.
0: Greg Morales with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of December 26th, 2021. The Advocate magazine reported France's parliament has voted to ban so-called conversion therapy. It joins a growing number of countries that have taken steps to outlaw the harmful practice of attempting to change one's sexual orientation or gender identity. The vote comes just about a week after Canada approved a similar ban. Conversion therapy is a harmful and discredited practice attempting to change one's sexuality or gender identity. And the practice has been condemned by the American Medical Association, as well as other leading medical and mental health groups around the world. France's ban prohibits practices, behaviors, and repeated statements with the intent of modifying or repressing a person's real or perceived sexual orientation or gender identity and having the effect of a material alteration of their mental or physical health. France's legislation would jail anyone for up to two years for offering LGBTQ conversion therapy. And they also face a $33,000 fine. France's National Assembly voted unanimously for the bill back in October. and its upper house, the Senate, voted 305 to 28 this month. French's President Emmanuel Macron is expected to sign the bill into law. And here in the United States, in Illinois, a 26-year-old queer man was killed in Chicago's Palmer Square neighborhood last week. According to authorities, Siraj Mahadeva was shot in the head while waiting outside a friend's home around 3.25 a.m. on a Thursday morning. More than 100 friends and family members gathered for a memorial for him at the center of Halstead, Chicago's LGBT Community Center. Saxon Maldonado described Shiraz as a, quote, beautiful, brilliant person, always charismatic, effervescent, and happy, end quote. Mahadeva worked as a medical technician, but when he wasn't at his day job, he taught children with autism how to swim, assisted young people experiencing homelessness, and promoted local LGBTQ pride events. He grew up in Michigan and graduated from Michigan State University back in 2018. He moved to Chicago after that to be with friends and for the queer community. So far, no arrests have been made. And here locally, according to the Bay Area Reporter, a number of Castro neighborhood businesses were upset that they weren't informed of the red carpet U.S. premiere of The Matrix Resurrections at the Castro Theater last Saturday night. And that it would be taking up parking spaces for much of the last weekend before Christmas. The film did premiere last Saturday, December 18th, and brought local transgender director Lana Wachowski and star Keanu Reeves, as well as other cast members, to the LGBTQ neighborhood. Gay District 8 supervisor Rafael Mandeman posted on December 16th that Castro Street would be closed from 6 a.m. on December 17th through 11.59 p.m. on December 18th, and that the parking lot behind the theater would also be closed until midnight on the 19th. Patrick Batt, a gay man who owns Auto Erotica on 18th Street, said that he found out about the Matrix premiere from the Bay Area Reporter, and he said he'd been seeing all of these trucks show up with equipment since early in the week. He added, it's going to kill business. There's no places to park. Batt said that the weekend before Christmas is critical for businesses and was very upset that there wasn't any warning. The San Francisco Chronicle did report on the plans for the premiere about two weeks ago in an article that indicated that there would be street closures. But apparently business owners were never contacted directly. In fact, one business owner reported talking with a representative from Warner Brothers, who's sponsoring the premier, who was told expressly not to reach out to neighborhood businesses. I was in the Castro the Friday night before the premiere and watched the setup. There felt like more crew members and staff on the streets than business patrons. Even the bars and restaurants felt vacant, much like a Monday evening, certainly not a Friday. And the Bay Area Rapid Transit District Board will be led for the first time by two out women. Rebecca Salzman, a lesbian, is now the new president, and Janice Lee, a queer woman of color, is the vice president. Salzman, who's 39 years old, told the Bay Area Reporter that she's excited to be stepping back into the role as board president, where she also served back in 2017. She will also lead the BART board as the agency celebrates 50 years of service in 2022. And finally, as this is our last news segment of 2021, I'd like to thank our amazing news partners for their tireless work collecting and publishing LGBTQ news from around the world. LGBTQ Nation, The Advocate Magazine, and The Bay Area Reporter. Thank you. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. Our first guest tonight is Okan Shangun. He's an immigrant from Turkey who fled persecution in his own home country to be able to live his life openly and freely as a gay man here in the United States. In 2015, he started the LGBTQ Asylum Project, which is based in the Castro District of San Francisco, and his goal was to help other LGBTQ people find safety here in the U.S. Okan, welcome back to the show.
2: Hi, Greg. Thank you so
0: much for having me. Uh, Great to have you on and to get caught up and to be talking about uh, immigration and asylum and all of those issues. I I think that clearly is one of the biggest issues of 2021, that's for sure. But before we get to that, uh, when last we talked, the LGBT Asylum Project was moving into a new space in the Castro. You were really excited about that. So catch us up a little bit. What's been going on since we last spoke?
2: Absolutely. Well, a lot has happened. So I believe that was before 2019. So in March, 2019, we moved to our office space in the Castro thanks to our partners at SF um, GMC, the Game Men's Chorus. Um, It was their previous office. Um, So we were extremely excited to have our own office space in the Castro to Um, you know, so that we can make sure that anyone who visits the Castro from other countries can see the word LGBT asylum and immediately learn about the process, because it's um, very important to make asylum accessible and visible for LGBTQ immigrants. So we were extremely happy. We were in that office space for about a year. And I mean, we still keep the office space, but COVID-19 happened. So we had to shut down our doors for a while. However, we immediately switched to all online services. So since then we provide online intakes and consultations and against all odds, actually in 2020, we were able to help 338 lgbtq plus immigrants which is wow. huge for us
0: that Absolutely. is huge
2: yeah wow. and in 2021 we our goal is helping 500 lgbtq immigrants and we are so close to hit our goal
0: incredible and and you're right the new space is very visible uh, if you walk down Castro Street, you can't miss it. You're right near 18th. It's a, it's an ideal spot. But for our listeners who may not have heard the first interview or be familiar with the LGBTQ Asylum Project, tell us what the purpose of the organization is. This is one you created, right?
2: Um, yes. So we founded the LGBT Asylum Project in 2015. So this is our sixth year. And we wanted to make sure that all LGBTQ plus asylum seekers have access to legal representation. So they don't have to go back to countries where they could be harmed or even killed for being who they are or who they love. And we are the only San Francisco nonprofit organization that is exclusively dedicated to serve the LGBTQ plus asylum seekers. So, um, and we're, um, we're, we're very proud of it.
0: Yeah, as well you should be. Uh, and it's it's personal work for you. I mean, this was your concept and you built this from the ground up. I wanna talk more about the asylum process. Uh, but before we do that, you also, since we last talked, started a YouTube channel. Talk about what you're doing with that.
2: Um, absolutely, so, well, s- before the pandemic, I was in the office, in our Castro office all the time, and we would get people come upstairs, ask us questions, how to help, how to get help. And we would be in the office to answer those questions. And I really loved that part of the work that I do, just to give information to people. With the pandemic, that got canceled. So we decided to launch a YouTube channel to, Give information to provide information to people that could watch this from home and from sometimes other places in the world. So, and that um that's been really um a, a roller coaster because we also receive death threats, we receive really bad comments. However, you know, that shows that we're uh we're triggering, uh we're triggering and we're um We're getting, I think we're getting good results too. A lot of people watch it and, um, you know, all um, we talk about the asylum process. We talk about the LGBTQ issues in the world. My videos in my own channel, there are in Turkish, but we all, all of my videos have English subtitles. So, um, but, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been great so far. So it's Okan Shangun and you can find it on, on YouTube.
0: And That's an important point, I think, to highlight for our listeners, too, is that you're an immigrant yourself. You came, if I remember the story right, you came to this country because it didn't feel safe back home.
2: Correct. So, I am a gay immigrant myself, and my first case was my own case. That's how I got involved in LGBTQ asylum applications. And, um, yeah, I mean, I applied for asylum because I knew that as an openly gay man, I could never be free and safe in turkey so and i wanted to be free i wanted to be safe i wanted to hold my boyfriend's hand freely so that's why i applied for asylum luckily i was a lawyer myself and i had access to legal representation so i was able to present my case to the u.s government Mm -hmm. properly and my case got approved i'm a u.s citizen right now but I knew I had to do more. So that's why we found that the LGBT asylum project so that all LGBTQ asylum seekers have access to this legal representation.
0: Wow. That's so amazing. And I have to imagine in the Castro being a focal point, a place that people travel to, that that's just really an ideal magnet location for folks who maybe visiting, but are also trying to flee a pretty hostile space. For for our listeners who don't know what asylum, that process, is, we've heard a lot about it in the news, right? Uh, talk about what that involves and what that means.
2: Well, asylum is a humanitarian form of protection provided by the U.S. government for people who have suffered persecution or Fear that they will suffer persecution because of their race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group, which includes LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. And one important rule is that you have to be physically in the United States to apply for asylum, So people cannot apply for asylum if they are outside the US. So you cannot apply for asylum at a US consulate or at a US embassy. They have to be here in the US. And once they are here, then we can help them get their permanent legal status. And for asylum applications, we show harm. And the harm could come from the government itself, such as when it is illegal to be LGBTQ um, and they're jailed because of their sexuality or their gender identities. Or the harm could come from civilians and the government is unable or unwilling to protect the victim. Mm -hmm. Overall, this is the asylum process.
0: And so... There is a court process that requires a hearing in front of a federal judge. And, and that doesn't just happen overnight. So what's the timeline that it would take? If somebody, let's say for somebody came to this country, that's the first challenge, right, is how to get here. But let's say that they, they met a partner and uh, the partner helped arrange for them to come visit. And they're in San Francisco, they are in the Castro, they come to your office. There's a timeline here, this is not quick. It's not something you do online and then instantly is done.
2: Correct. Asylum applications have um, two forms actually. One form is called an affirmative asylum application and the other one is called defensive asylum applications which are done at the immigration courts. So 80% of our applications are affirmative asylum applications, which are done at the asylum offices. Those are more like administrative applications. There is no judge, there is no government attorney. So those are relatively easier applications, I would say, it's an easier process. Um, However, you are right, they take forever. There is a huge, huge backlog right now because of the pandemic and also because we don't have enough asylum officers in the mm-hmm. United States. Mm-hmm. Currently, there are only 12, 12 asylum offices in the whole United States. That's it. And wow. that's not enough. Joe Biden actually wanted to increase the number of asylum offices and expanding, um, expand funding for asylum offices. However, that. That bill is sitting in Congress, unfortunately, since January. Wow.
0: Well, you mentioned the president. So when last we talked, uh, Donald Trump was in office. And, you know, the whole immigration policy really was turned upside down. Uh, how did you navigate that?
2: Well, it was, it was chaos. It was chaotic. It was, it was like hell. There was constant attacks on immigrants, but we fought hard during the past four years. However, it was definitely not easy. Every morning, I remember we would wake up and read the news and to understand which of our clients are now not eligible for asylum. Mm -hmm. That was really heartbreaking to tell someone hey, look, our president just made you ineligible for asylum and you have to go to this country where you will be harmed because of being gay, lesbian, transgender or bisexual. So that was really heartbreaking. However, again, we fought hard. We were able to keep them here safely, either delaying their applications, rescheduling their interviews, somehow getting them through the four year process. And luckily Joe Biden got elected. And that's been, that's been great.
0: So when, when he was elected, clearly some things changed. So what specifically have you seen that's changed that has made this process more smooth, faster, easier, whatever?
2: Well, so he started reversing some of the Trump's horribly unjust immigration policies and that really helped us as immigration practitioners. There however there's so much more to do and unfortunately the president is also dealing with a pandemic, so the process has been uh, slowed down because of that. And however he put the bill he put the he proposed the bill and it's sitting in Congress. He suggested that we eliminate the one year application deadline for asylum, which is detrimental for the LGBTQ community because, well, a lot of times um, it's really hard to figure out your true sexuality, right? Sometimes you have to live in a free society in order to realize Mm -hmm. that you're gay, trans, bisexual, lesbian, um, and that can take longer than a year. So people miss this one year deadline and they miss their chance to apply for asylum. It's really hard to win your asylum case if you miss this deadline. And Joe Biden proposed to eliminate this one year deadline, but it's still sitting in Congress. Hmm. So we have to make sure that this bill passes.
0: Yeah. Well, if you believe in it, then write your local representatives and and encourage them to move that bill through. So you see people from all over the world uh, who find their way to the Castro and then to your offices. What are some of the countries that you're seeing people from most or most frequently uh, that are facing persecution? I mean, there's, there's what, almost 80 countries that consider being gay a capital offense, potentially. Where are you seeing folks from most?
2: Correct. There are unbelievable, all those countries where it is illegal to be LGBTQ. And in 11 of those countries, homosexuality is punishable by death. So our clients mainly come from those countries. However, right now we see an influx of cases from Brazil Mm -hmm. because of the extremely homophobic Brazilian government, and the president. So if there's anyone listening to this and speak Portuguese, please please reach out to us because we always look for volunteers who can speak other languages, especially Portuguese or Spanish.
0: Uh, Well, that must be another challenge, right? Not everybody that uh, comes here seeking asylum can speak English. And so if you're going to work with them, you've got to be able to communicate.
2: Yep absolutely luckily our staff speaks different languages and also we have a database of volunteers really passionate volunteers um and we're so lucky to have them in our in our work so um we benefit from them a lot mm-hmm. and they all these different languages yeah
0: uh some of the stories that have been in the news more recently are about the oppression that's being discovered in Afghanistan now and threats from the Taliban. Are you seeing any outreach from LGBT Afghans who are trying to get here is anybody reached out to you to you.
2: Oh, yes, unfortunately, we do receive many emails asking for help. Um, and we. What we do is we try to refer them to organizations um, outside the U.S. that can help them, or there are a few in the U.S., um, and we refer those individuals to those, in the, uh, to those organizations so they can get out of Afghanistan um, as soon as possible before anything bad um, happens to them.
0: Yeah, I mean, the stories have been really horrific, right? We've covered them on Outbeat News, including uh, lists, apparently, of people that the Taliban has threatened to hunt down. Uh, this is really scary for folks. And I think the frustrating thing about the asylum process is that you have to be here. So you've got to get out of the country in order to get the help, not just get out of the country, but also get here.
2: Absolutely. That's the asylum process in the U S there's also the refugee process, um, that many of the, um, LGBTQ Afghans are doing right now. So they, um, escape Afghanistan and they go to a neighboring country and they apply for the refugee status at UNHCR, United right. Nations, and um, that's a long process too. The US government, on the other hand, has a special program, humanitarian program, to get those individuals here to the US, but there are petitions involved, there are documentations involved, so that's a slow process too. So I really, really hope that um, we make this process a little better and safer for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump obviously appointed a number of federal judges, and you talked about one of the processes, one of the asylum routes is that you actually have to go before an immigration judge. And I remember reading, again, stories about there being a shortage of immigration judges. Did any of his appointees end up changing sort of the tenor or the decision-making around granting asylum or not?
2: They do. Unfortunately, they do. That's why it is really important to vote in the federal elections so that because presidents appoint federal judges and they make the decisions on people's lives, whether they will stay here or go back to their home countries. It's death, it's life or death. It's that simple. So yes, there are horrible immigration judges. There are beautiful, I would say, Both sides. So we practice in San Francisco and we are lucky that we practice in San Francisco. We have beautiful immigration judges here, very professional, very humane. However, in the rest of the country, that's not the case. So the process can be very cruel towards LGBTQ people if they get one of those judges appointed by Donald Trump. The process is already long and exhausting. And when you have a a um, a non supportive judge in front of you that could totally change the whole whole experience. Yeah,
0: and my suspicion is that my suspicion is that there are homophobic judges who would react to that influence in their decision making and simply deny asylum potentially to someone who legally, by all definitions, should deserve it, and yet because of their own personal attitudes, they may deny it.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. horrible. And sometimes it takes, they don't understand what being a gay man is or being trans means. I recently had an asylum interview, not even at the asylum, um, not even at the immigration court, but the asylum office. And the officer constantly referred my trans woman client by by him, him pronouns for seven hours. And the interview took seven hours. That interview could have been done in two to three hours here in San Francisco. However, in Houston, unfortunately, there are conservative asylum officers, and they don't, they're not familiar with LGBTQ issues. And that made the process even more miserable for, for our clients.
0: Horrible. What kind of support systems are in place for people once they are granted asylum? So uh, it obviously takes a long time. There's some infrastructure that people can help build, you know, during that time once they're granted. But what processes are in place to help make sure that people not only get off to a good foot, but don't end up in harm's way?
2: Well, that's a that's a great question. So first of all, once someone's asylum is approved, they can work in the United States. So they get their work permit, they have their social security numbers, and eventually one year after the approval, they can apply for their green cards and eventually become US citizens down the road. So these are the rights that they get. And the US government, the federal government provides some benefits for the initial eight months. So for the first eight months, if the person is eligible, they can get cash aid, food stamps, and medical, hmm. so all the health benefits. But unfortunately, that help is only for eight months, and after that, they're on their own.
0: Okay, so an eight-month start, but but you got to get cracking and and find employment.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Well, that's something at least. Uh, so you're a nonprofit organization. Uh, you mentioned that you need translators, at least for people who can speak Portuguese. Talk about if our listeners wanted to get involved and support your work. What do you need and how can they get involved?
2: Yes, so um, well, they can um, check out our website, it's www.lgbtasylumproject.org and they can learn more about the asylum process if they know someone who's in help. They can refer that person to us. If that person lives in the Bay Area, we can provide legal support. And obviously, we are a nonprofit organization and we run, um, we can only do our job because of donations from friends like you or the listeners. So if you can, you can make a donation on our website as well, or you can also do Venmo. It's LGBT Asylum on Venmo. And yeah, I mean, the year is almost ending. So if you want to make your last minute donations, I think this is the best time to, um, to choose the LGBT asylum project because it's a, um, I would say asylum saves lives.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, I, and again, if there's a, a social issue next to homelessness that is of concern to everybody, uh, it is immigration, and we need to look out for our own in this community. And so I strongly encourage people to consider this as, a, as an end-of-the-year donation. It'd be great.
2: Absolutely. And, and you talked about homelessness, and one of the main reasons is not having legal status, not having the legal work permits. Right. So if we can solve the problem from the bottom, and then if people can build up their lives from there. And unfortunately, here's one thing. So when someone is in the criminal proceedings, the government assigns public defenders, right? Right. Um, The person cannot afford private attorneys. However, in the immigration courts, which is a full on trial, it's a very complex immigration process, asylum process. And the government does not provide public defenders. Right. So my goal is to make San Francisco the first city in the United States that provides free attorneys, free public defenders for LGBTQ immigrants that are in immigration courts to make sure that they don't have to return those countries where their families might kill them, where their communities might harm them, so
1: Mm -hmm. they can stay
2: here and build their safe lives here. And I believe that San Francisco can be the sanctuary city that it claims it is by providing free legal services for all LGBTQ immigrants in the immigration courts. Mm.
0: So fantastic. If you missed those links uh, to the LGBT Asylum Project website, we'll put them on our own website at OutbeatNews.com. Just click on show notes at the top of the page and make a donation. Where can people go to follow your YouTube channel?
2: Yes, so you can put my name on YouTube and you will find all of our videos and the YouTube channel and make sure that you turn on the English subtitles and you will be able to watch videos about LGBTQ issues, about the asylum process and different aspects of asylum processes. So yeah, you can find it on YouTube and if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's okan.sangan the LGBT Asylum Project's Instagram account is LGBT Asylum Project. We're both active both on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Fantastic. We'll put those links as well on that same site on our website. Okan, thank you so much for all the work you're doing and for creating this organization that's doing such vital work for our community
2: absolutely no thank you so much for your interest in giving giving our work um you know highlighting our work and giving me a voice so that i can reach out to your audience and um, just inform people it's crucial crucial
0: and if you've just joined us you're listening to outbeat news in depth here on krcb radio i'm greg morelia tonight we're talking about immigration and the challenges that lgbtq plus people face when trying to seek asylum here in the united states and here in sonoma county Locals have made it a personal mission to help those asylum seekers. A new organization called the Queer Asylum Accompaniment Team helps with housing, food, legal support, and connecting LGBT asylum seekers to local services while the asylum process proceeds. Our own Gary Carnavelli is part of this team, and he's here to share more. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks,
3: Greg. Great to be your Twitter.
0: Well, yeah, great to have you on the show. Uh, We don't get a chance to really see each other too much with uh, covid uh, so it's nice to spend some time with you and kind of get caught up. Yes. So we're talking about immigration tonight, and uh, you more recently got involved. I mean, you've been an activist for years. You've you've got a very long history of being involved in a lot of different movements, and uh, I saw an email come across that you've gotten involved with helping people, LGBT people, achieve a- asylum and, and residence here in the U.S., so Tell me from the beginning, what inspired you? Where, where did this interest come from?
3: Um, I was truly inspired by the woman who I um, started the group with. Um, she had been working with accompaniment groups um, for for years, if not decades. Um, and locally, um, a few of them sort of sprouted up um, early on in the Trump administration um, when they started a hotline, um, uh, basically a hotline for folks who felt intimidated by ice or had information about ice raids happening in the County. Um, this was Yes. And the, you know, um, so we were sort of chatting and, and, and I thought, um, In fact, she was on my radio show and we were chatting about about the hotline. And, um, you know, I met I asked her, are there LGBT folks? And she's like, I'm sure they're out there and I'm sure they're in need. So after the show, we got together and chatted and formed um, queer asylum accompaniment about three and a half years ago.
0: Gosh, has it been that long?
3: it really has i mean you always have to take into account we almost you know almost lost two years to
1: covid right so. right
3: <laughs> i sort of, i have this conversation almost on a daily basis with people when you're thinking about dates and you know
0: yeah
3: yeah even chatting with my husband it's like remember covid remember covid you know like we were we were here 2 years ago i'm like no 2 years ago we were nowhere <laughs> yeah. we were going nowhere kind of uh, doing a lot but um so, so COVID uh, really, you know, really, I don't want to say set us back because we continue to help our compas. Um, those are the asylum seekers, the, the term we use for the asylum seekers um, whom we accompany, compas. Um,
0: so so, so let me, let, let, let's go back a little bit. You mentioned that there are these and you call them accompany groups or accompaniment groups
3: groups, yes.
0: So what exactly is that, and what service do they provide?
3: Um, very grassroots. Um, mo- I think all of them here in Sonoma County work under um, the umbrella of North Bay Organizing Project, um, which is the group that started the hotline. Um, but again, very grassroots. um there's there's there there are now accompaniment groups all over the county who are assisting mostly families. Um, uh, just a, a new family is just coming, um, um, and uh, a, a place for them to live um, ended up being in Santa Rosa. So folks in Santa Rosa, actually some members from our group QAA. Um, are assisting because they live in Santa Rosa and, 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 and they're close by. Um, uh, generally speaking, um, uh, folks will, will present themselves at the border and be placed in detention for, it can vary. Um, it depends on sort of their record if they tried to cross the border before, if they were deported before, but under Trump, everyone went to detention um, if they had family members um, in the United States who could sponsor them, it's a, it was a bit easier for them to get out earlier of detention. Um, a single person, including many queer folks, have a difficult time. Um, again, if you, if you don't have relatives in, in the U.S., um, it can be difficult mm-hmm. um, for them to get out. So, um, But these groups just started sprouting up. When they found families in need, um, there there there's a family from from Haiti. There's a, um, a number of families from Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, um, and of course Mexico.
0: Right. So, uh, folks show up at the border, and how do they make their way this far north?
3: Um, the, uh, again, they usually they usually end up. Um, uh in sonoma county or the north bay because they have family
0: here. okay okay so so after they get approval or release then the family arranges for them to be transported up here
3: yes uh, well it, there are many organizations there are so many organizations hundreds if not thousands helping asylum seekers um in the U.S., wow. uh, from um, faith-based um, organizations to everything you can imagine. Of course, most most importantly, many legal groups in the Bay Area. We have Oasis, is, who is doing incredible work with um, LGBT folks. Um, you know, these th- these lawyers are are doing a lot of work, mostly pro bono. Um, And, uh, uh, it's sort of, it's sort of amazing. And and when we think of the border, we have to remember it's, you know, it's Texas, it's New Mexico, it's Arizona, Mm -hmm. it's, it's California also. So there are many States, there are detention centers all really all over the country. Most of them sort of, um, concentrated near the border, um, but, you know, folks, folks have wound up in New York or, or Michigan or, or Minnesota um, in, in detention centers. Um, the Biden administration, of course, is closing more of the centers, especially the for-profit centers, and trying to get people released from detention I'm trying to remember the numbers. They're changing all the time. Sure. But 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 they're really working on I I, I think a maximum of three months yeah. and really shooting for a matter of weeks.
0: So in the first part of the show, we heard a little bit about that asylum process and you know how comp how complicated it is and how backlogged it is. So yeah. the families that are have been released from detention and then find their way up here that you're working with, they haven't gone through that asylum process yet. They haven't had their hearing yet, right?
3: Um, well, in, in, in the three and a half years, our, our very first compa, um, Yuri, has become a U.S. citizen. So it, it three, three years ago. Th- it, right, three wow. year, about about three years ago, maybe maybe two and a half. She went the process. The process, I want to say, takes at least a year. And of course it could take many, many years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think the average in the last couple of years we're talking about, we're talking about, um, two years, um, a number of, uh, you know, of court appearances, of course, you know, um, once they come over the border, they, you know, they, they go in front of a judge right away. Um, so, you know, some need to wear an ankle bracelet, some don't, um, uh, it, it it's such a mixed bag of stories that that QAA has experienced with with the uh, five compas um, that we've worked with over the over the
0: three. And so how does uh, one of the folks that you're working with find out about the QAA?
3: We usually find out about them. So they usually come to us from another organization. OK. So, um, um, I, I, a not so happy story, an example is, is, is Hector, um, uh, who was in actual federal prison, um, who ha- was an asylum seeker and had been released, but got caught up in uh, a scam where someone was taking advantage of him and um, had him purchase firearms, Hmm. which of course is illegal for an asylum seeker. So he was in prison and um, um, a lawyer based um, in San Francisco contacted us. Um, You know, we have a website, so we have a presence. So I think, you know, you sort of Google, Hmm. you know, we're asylum seekers in Sonoma County and, um, our website, qa18.org sort of pops up lots of information, contact information, of course. Um, so Hector came, um, Hector's lawyer approached us. We, we chatted with Hector. Um, unfortunately he ended up being deported. Mm. Um, I, I actually was acting as his sponsor, um, which was a hole involved because it was sort of parole. So, you know, the parole board called me once and said, oh, where would Hector live? And show me your house and show us the yard. And I was walking around the house with the camera, which was odd. Um, But unfortunately, he was deported.
0: Hmm. Hmm. But you've had some other really great success stories with people that you've worked with that are on their way to – citizenship here and presumably a much better life share a couple of those
3: yes um uh yamena came to us um through lgbtq connection um so when we first started i sort of sent uh you know blanket emails out to uh you know queer organizations in the north Bay saying that you know here we are this new group we, we we want to help um uh, queer asylum seekers, um, you know, let us know if, if you know of anyone, um, who needs assistance. And, and a few months later, um, uh, LGBTQ connection, um, approached us, um, uh, about a young woman who was homeless. Hmm. Um, so we met Yemena and sort of assessed her situation and, and, and just as, and this has happened twice, serendipity, um just as we started working with Yamena and thinking, okay, what are we gonna do about housing? What, you know, how are we going to figure it out? Um, a a lovely couple who live in the, you know, the center of Santa Rosa, um, uh, offered, offered sort of a a little studio that's attached to their house. So it's very sort of close. Um, but said, you know, we don't want to rent this out. Um, you know, we want to offer it to, an asylum seeker, and we mm. learned about your group. Incredible. So then, of course, we got them dig, We all got together, and it was a good mix, and and um, and uh, things have turned out well. And that was that was over a year ago, and and Yemena has been working very hard. She's had some health issues. Um, uh, she is trans, um, but again, her you know her case. And, and, you know, a, a judge usually assesses the cases so um, rather quickly. I, I think they tr- sort of get a sense of what's going on, like, depending upon where they're coming from, um, their situation. You know, we've got abused um, women and their children escaping, of course, you know, escaping gang violence in, in, in their home countries. Um, but uh, trans folks... Especially those who, like Yemena, um, have experienced violence in Mexico, um, uh, you know, see, seem to have a, a better chance of, of um, achieving asylum and even residency. Um, so she, um, Yemena, has a court date. I think in March is is. You, you don't want to say final, because it could always be postponed. Um, but she's got documentation of what happened to her. Um, um, and it, it was a, it was a brutal attack in which she lost an eye mm. um, and, and uh, was disfigured. Um, so um, it, it's hard, it's hard to say her, her, her um, lawyer thinks um, Yemena's chance, chances are, are very good. Um, and she was also, um, Yemen is able to work. Um, some folks um, can receive uh, a temporary social security number and um, a work permit, which they have to pay for 400 hours a year. Um, so they are able to work legally in the United States while they're awaiting their their um, asylum or residency.
0: Well, that would I would think would be absolutely essential, because how else would you pay for rent and food and? Everything yeah. else you need to just survive while you're waiting for the hearing.
3: Yes, yes. I mean, especially in these times, you know, I don't right. can't say post COVID yet, but post COVID nightmare, maybe the, right. the worst. Right. Um, so, so many workers are needed. Um, um, you know.
0: So where, so where will she go to court? Will it be up here, or will it be down in San Francisco?
3: No, it's always in San francisco, okay yeah, there there are two there are two courts. it's l a and San Francisco
0: federal Got courts. It. And I've heard that that that's a pretty supportive set of judges uh, in San Francisco that there could be other places where it would be much more challenging to get a judge to understand, especially that's- LGBTQ issues.
3: Right. Uh, Yeah. And and as you can imagine, uh, you know, queer folks are probably concentrated in in the larger cities. Um, It's sort of astounding the sort of word of mouth that travels, um, you know, amongst asylum seekers and immigrants um, who who are hoping to live and work here. when, where the best place to be, you know, how you should come into the country and what's going to happen. So um, uh, it, it, um, I'm going to say it's it's easier, but there's also, there's just sort of peer support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, even in the crazy, you know, four years of the Trump administration, when things were changing all the time and no one really knew what was going on right. and every effort was made to sort of stop the flow, stop, people from even legally seeking asylum here in the United States.
0: Have you heard anything about LGBTQ Afghans? We reported last month in Outbeat News about the Rainbow Railroad having successfully immigrated a couple dozen plus LGBT people from Afghanistan, you know, they're they're in huge risk of course. Yes. But, but that was all being done by the British government. I, I have not heard really anything about efforts by the U.S. government yet. What have you heard?
3: There, There is a group in Washington, D.C. working working with, again, that sort of network of folks who are helping Afghanis um, settle here, those who are at huge risk in, in, in that country, and um, we we've, we've reached out to them um, I, 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 you know I can't it, it's hard to say how many of them how many queer folks were working with with uh, the US government during that that you know horribly long war mm-hmm. uh, but of course all queer Afghanis are at risk right. under the current regime right uh, so not much, not much word here. And and again, it can be surprising because, you know, we call Fremont Little Kabul. So um, uh, you would imagine there are queer folks with connections to the Bay Area, uh, not necessarily Sonoma County, but still the Bay Area. So if there were if there were services, we're, we're certainly um, open to working with mm-hmm. with, with Afghanis.
0: So you found some housing for uh, one of the immigrants. What other kinds of services have you found yourself providing or seeking out and getting for folks?
3: Um, You know, mostly it's transportation and support. Um, It it ends up, you know, we're setting up someone's home. So um, folks just are donating things. Um, We've got about 50 uh, team members with QAA. Um, in sort of this orbit. Uh, so, you know, just imagine when you just got out of school, out of college, and you started your first apartment, you know, what that experience was like. You know, your parents are giving you a sofa, and your uncles are giving you this, or mm-hmm. you're buying this, or you're buying that. Um, and, 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 and then, you know, we sort of assess their needs. Are they medical? Um, uh, are they... You know, psychological. Are they? Um, you know, what what kind of needs do they have in that way? Um, luckily, here in 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 California, medical is much easier. Um, uh, Their um, asylum seekers who want to stay in California or are detained in California, w- once they're released, get a, a Medi-Cal card. Um, they can vary, but for the most part. Everything is taken care of. And um as I just learned the other day, uh e- even hormone treatment, even even um surgeries huh. are absolutely covered by that Medi-Cal that this our state, our good state, <laughs> has has offered to uh asylum seekers.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, people are lucky if they land here then, that's for sure. Yes. So, your organization, uh, is it a nonprofit?
3: It is a nonprofit. Again, we're under the umbrella of the North Bay Organizing Project. Perfect. Um, we've done a number of fundraisers. We're hoping to do more. We've done two uh, film screenings, and I think we've got one coming up. I'm not quite sure when, if it will be December. There's this um, wonderful animated Israeli film <laughs> called Flea which deals with, with uh, queer immigration.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it's going to be shown at the Rialto. We're just not sure about the dates, but w- one evening we'll, you know, we'll get the proceeds and we'll, That's great. we'll, we'll, we'll get folks out there and, 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 and pitch them and try to get them involved in the organization.
0: So if, if listeners wanted to get involved, um, certainly it's coming up on the end of the year. You've got, I don't know, what, five days left uh, in the year to make your tax-deductible donation, where would they go to send a check?
3: Right. QAAteam.org. Um, you can send us a check at the post office. Uh, our post office box um, is, is there on the website, QAAteam.org. Um, and um, send us your information and we'll we'll, 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 we'll keep you posted um, just about events. And again, um, y- you could donate. Donate. Financial, financially, you know, of course, we're, we welcome you. But also, you can help in many, many ways if you're unable to to afford it. And, and you've and you've got some time, so we so, need, of course, yeah. Spanish speakers and 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 folks to help. Um, drive folks around drive folks to San Francisco for their for their um, court dates and just visit their lawyers and th- w- there are, there are many ways um, you can you can assist a queer asylum seeker through QAA um,
0: donate a couch exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, well you mentioned that you know you mentioned the family that had the studio I think that's a, a really generous offering but that's a real that's a real need. People need a roof over their head.
3: That's right. That's right. And 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 that's what we're finding. Um, it, it, as we, as as many organizations in the Bay Area and in the state. Um, it's a very expensive state and area to live in, and housing. Sure. And housing is a real issue. So if if you've got you know an an extra room, you know a, a cottage out back, a mother-in-law unit, anything um, that you can offer. And 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 you don't need to donate it completely. You know, still rent can be asked. Um, uh, we've we've got a, a, a second couple we're working with right now. Again, once we started working with her, this couple said we have this cottage in in our backyard. We don't want to rent it out. We don't want to deal with it. Um, and uh, you know, we'd love to offer it uh, to to an asylum seeker. And and once we started chatting with with um, the husband, he said, my parents are immigrants from Palestine. So Mm. so I understand that need. And, and, you know, it just occurred to me why I want to do this.
0: Yeah, that's great. So the website is qaateam.org, And if you missed that, we'll put it on our website at outbeatnews.com. Just click on show notes at the top of the page and you can go there to learn about how to make a donation or, also just as importantly, to get involved as a volunteer. That would be a really great thing to do. Uh, and maybe a great New Year's resolution.
3: That's right, that's right.
0: So what are the plans for 2022 for you, Gary? And what are you looking forward to?
3: <laughs> as always, my monthly show, be collage out in the arts.
0: <laughs> Airs on the third Sunday of every month here on KRCB Radio. You've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, any aspirations for the year? What do you, what do you see that you want to maybe cover?
3: Um, there's always so much to cover. I'm all, you know, I'm all, I'm almost always two months ahead trying to keep up. Um, and there's more and more happening in the County, which is nice. I mean, I focus on the arts, you know, that sort of can bleed over into special events. Um, uh, that organization, nonprofits, um, Uh, present uh, for fundraising. But um, there's a lot going on in this county, a lot of ways people can get involved and and be entertained within our community.
0: Fantastic. Gary Cardavelli, thanks a lot for stopping in tonight to update us on the QAA. And Happy New Year to you.
3: Happy New Year, Greg.
0: And that wraps up our hour. But before I go, I want to once again thank our amazing news partners in the community, The Advocate Magazine, LGBTQ Nation, and the Bay Area Reporter. Thank you for all the incredible work you do throughout the year, both to inform and make visible the issues, people, and events that impact our community. Tune in next Sunday night to Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. And on behalf of the entire Outbeat Radio team here at KRCB, Happy New Year. And thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Morelia. Our shows are available for on demand play anytime on our website at OutbeatNews.com and on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now on iHeartRadio. Find links to subscribe at OutbeatNews.com.
1: i love to change the world, but I don't know what. Broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we're gonna walk it out. Ooh Mountains, we're gonna walk it out and woo!
0: Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCBFM comes from listeners and from Rocky, the free range chicken, and Rosie, the original organic chicken. Air chilled, non GMO, locally raised right here in Sonoma County with no antibiotics ever. More information is available at RockyandRosie.com. You're listening to 104.9 KRCBFM Roner Park and KRCGFM Windsor, Sonoma County's NPR station. It's 9 p.m. Stay with us. Beale Street Caravan is next.